Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello everyone, my name is Rebecca Kelly and you're listening to the Everywhere We Go podcast. This week I sit down with lifelong friends, three girls who are the definition of girl gang. A friendship that could be envied by some and recognised by others. A friendship tested by pregnancy psychosis, a time when they could have given up on each other but instead they worked hard to come out the other side as friends and whose core values are just to be kind. We track through the good times, the bad times and the bits between. From Sister Veronica Shirk in Ireland to getting serenaded by Elton John and nearly getting arrested on Christmas Eve. The Buffalo G days and what they really mean to each other. Editing this week's podcast, I really fell in love with each of them and I know you will too. There was nothing like growing up in the five lamps, unless there was. On this week's episode, I sit down with Kathy Smith, Beverly Coughlin and Olive Tucker Lee. So girls, everywhere we go, people want to know who we are and where we come from and you're from... The five lamps. Let's dive right in. How long are you friends and how did you become friends? Well, we are friends a very long time. I'd say we're probably friends since the age of maybe six or seven. Mm -hmm. We are lifelong friends and still friends to this day, unfortunately for them. (laughs) (laughs) That's the truth. (laughs) Uh, Me and Olive lived on the same road and Beverly was literally across the road, but we all kind of went to the same school. So Olive is that little bit older. Me and Beverly. Small, bit older, very <laughs> small. <laughs> um, so kind of we all grew up together and because it was so a close-knit community, so we, like where one went, we all went. Do you know, like that. So yeah, kind of go to the good days. <laughs> we, uh, we started in a youth club called Sister Veronica's. So this was a known that um, helped inner city children. We were from Dublin 1. So we were known as inner city children that wanted to be kept off the streets. So she started a youth club. So Sister Veronica used to put on shows. And we, <laughs> when I think back now, like she actually used to take us to Sherkin Island for two weeks. And our ma and dads would actually let us go. Now I only went once, but my my two older sisters went and I know Cathy and Bev Hughes didn't go because their we, mas actually liked them. Do you know what I mean? Whereas <laughs> my mas and me. Termafeckin' we went and this was like going to America for us. Yeah. For, you know. So take that back to me for me. You went to what island? Okay, Shirkin so Island. So Shirkin Island is a little island it's either off Cork or in Cork. It's in West Cork. It's just off Baltimore. Okay. So it's literally from Baltimore you can see Shirkin Island. I was only there last year. Well, yeah. next up America. Because right. that's how long it took us to get there. It was how many hours? It's five and a half hours on the new roads now. So yeah. you can imagine it was a week back yeah. then. A week and a coach with like 40 kids. And you're talking about inner city 
kids. Underprivileged. Underprivileged. We still know the songs we sang. So we were sent to Cork for two weeks and down there, like the nun, um, you know, she had games. We stayed in bunkers. When I think about we stayed, we we brought sleeping bags and all, cobwebs hanging off the ceilings and just, it was actually everything to do with fresh air and the mad things that stick in my mind for lunch every day was oxtail soup to this day. I actually hate oxtail soup because (laughs) it was torture. But when I look back, they were actually probably the, the best, best memories we ever mm. had because as a group of kids we were brought down there we were let run riot on an island that nobody was on and we had and that's the reason why yeah yeah <laughs> that is the reason why uh, bring it back to the nun bringing you down there was she alone what did, was there other parents no, there was volunteers from the area, from the area. Yeah, okay. so there was there was kids that was in it and their mothers were volunteers and kind of youth leaders. Yeah. So they would come down and kind of man the ship, help to support. Well, they were saying that Sister Veronica could have done doing it on her own. Yeah. yeah she was she was strict. regimental. There was she no was the gnome's gnome. Yeah. And that was it. Did you like her then? Mm, give or take. <laughs> well, do you know what? When I look back on it, she I think she had to be a strong personality in the area we grew up in. Well, because yeah. as we were saying earlier, it was kind of fight or flight. So Sister Veronica had a bit about her. She needed a bit about her. Do you know what I mean? But the likes of going to Shirkin Island and then going to Term Effect and all, she was all about the kids. So I mean, you have to you have to give grace to that. And you three sitting in front of me, if I was to meet her on the road now, what would she say about the trees? <laughs> I did not think that. <laughs> I was always singing, so I used to love singing, so I was always told to be quiet, even when you were colouring or doing your little bits, because you used to go to different rooms in the school, so like, you'd be doing jigsaws in one room while the others were dancing down, you know, different age groups, Mm -hmm. and I was just always singing. Well, let's be honest, Bev, you really don't have a great voice. (laughs) Now I'll have to tell you. do, she's a classic case singer. I have an amazing voice, I'm Beyonce when I'm drunk. (laughs) Literally. So we tell her in any way. Yeah. <laughs> That's what true friends tell lies. <laughs> Don't tell the truth. <laughs> and, you know, the reason behind all this was it was to get the inner city kids off the streets because where we live, drugs were rampant. Yeah, I'm thinking back to that time. But while it was pretty bad then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And in fairness to all our parents and all, you know, they were dealing with a lot of things. So to get us out of the way, to shield us from these things, that was very important. We hadn't a clue about the drugs that were going on because we were so heavily invested in all these game shows and you know these people looking after us all we knew was love and yeah. fun and that's what Sister Veronica's group brought and just with the drugs it was heroin wasn't it absolutely yeah. and anything else to be honest with you yeah like yeah. it was ecstasy there was like it was but they mainly marched it was the vigilantes do you remember yeah. that they mainly marched on people that sold heroin like mm. hard drugs yeah because mm. there was a march every week and us kids so where so, our banners used to so mem- memories for us was um, what do you want what do you want push us out, out. Yeah. so through the streets of where we lived all our parents uh, everybody grandparents everything. everybody stood as a community against these drug pushers and these would be some people you'd know they might be our neighbours they could be our friends parents but it got so bad that the community had to stand up because lives were just being ruined. People's houses were being ransacked because people wanted to get, you know, money, get their fix. And that's one of our memories. Mm-hmm. One of our, like, I think it's bizarre to think that we stood outside Joseph Mansions, mm-hmm. which was a supermarket for drugs as kids. And, you know, we remember what do we want pushers out? When yeah. do we want it now? Did you just have any fear of it? 
No, we thought it was no, staying out late. Yeah, we, yeah, yeah, it was yeah. The, that was we, the highlight. It was the highlight of the week. Because we were, like, were out late. Yeah, you go on the march. street, you go on the march. Do you know what I mean? It was like, and then like, the, you know, the, the men started turning into vigilantes where they were, they, the dads of the area were, yeah. were pacing the streets to, to make sure there was no deals going on, there was nothing going on because they wanted to protect their children. We had, we were carefree years ago. So that was your kind of, oh, we look, look at this and we'll do this and whatever. Like even, like going back to being out and walking home up through Lourdes Church, the back of Joseph mm-hmm. Mansion. Yeah. Four o'clock in, in the morning on your own, not a care in the world. Now it gets dark and I wouldn't even that. walk the streets. Yeah. Like it just goes to show how different yeah. life was then to life now. And is any of you still in it? Well, yeah, I'm in Ballybock now. I live on Eastwall Road, yeah. so I live facing the park. So like we're still in the thick of it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But it's totally different from... No, no, it's not totally different. And to be honest with you, it's probably getting worse now. But you're more conscious of it, obviously, because you're a mammy. Do you know what I mean? Like, So take it back to some fun times. What was a day in the life for you growing up? I think definitely the open air discos. Yeah. yeah. Like, the, yeah. when I say this out loud, this actually sounds bizarre. So... A Saturday in town will be, uh, rumors that kind of start going around. Uh, one of the lads, he had a music box and he had lights. He so he wanted to be an up and coming DJ. Yeah. And he, he does do he that does now. Do it yeah. now yeah. So Beverly's flats that she lived in, there was a thing called a pram shed. Now I just presume everyone knows what pram shed is, but they don't. So it's literally like a shed attached to flats that years ago, the dealers would have put all their, their prams. stuff, their prams in and their storage in there. Then you can put bikes in them now and but you'd have your own lock and key. So he'd get up on to the pram shed. We used to call it the prammers. He would get up on that and he'd have a lid going from uh, someone's house all the way over to his big box with his lights and his music. And he would blare that music. And we thought that, so it was yeah. an open air disco and we thought that was the business. Now, like you wouldn't have people locked or drinking. We were no just, drink. No drink at all. No. We were just all out. He was playing the music and we, that was the highlight of our Saturday night. Even yeah. now before COVID, if we were in a nightclub or, and we heard a song, what yeah. way would we carry on? Yeah. yeah. Even just before lockdown, we went to the Camden. Yeah. And there were like Ragamuffin was one of the songs you used to and we're like it's, we're like crazy people yeah. when it comes on you know bring just bring you life. back to your youth you, you know every, you forget everything and you're just back in that you're moment in that headspace of just not having any worries like and you didn't have any worries no yeah. no well, the only worry to the only worry you'd have had is when your ma came out for it and you're like you here's five more minutes five more minutes that was the only worry and you were literally around the corner so like my ma be kind of there Bev's ma be sitting out Cathy's ma be there we'd know right they're being looked after at right five more minutes yeah at what age were you allowed to go uptown Oh, we were uptown. We were in Dr. Quirky's from the age. You used to get a fiver. Yeah, we lived to town. You'd get your bag of sweets on a Sunday. So you'd go to the cinema, the the Savoy cinema, but you'd have your bag of popcorn, your sweets, your chomper, and you'd get a fiver to pay it and you still got a Happy Meal. Yeah. Yeah. And then we used to go to the Fun Factory out in Dunleary. Yeah. Um, where else did we used to go? We used to go swimming and get the roll with your king on it. Oh, and Jerry O'Callaghan's, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah Tim Beef and your roll. You can't beef and your roll. Tip top. Yeah, yeah. tip top. Where'd yeah. you get that out of? Do you know Geraldine O'Callaghan? She was on The Apprentice and stuff. Her dad owned the corner shop face the bats. And he was always behind the counter. He was a messer. And he used to go in after, you'd be lepping after the bats. And you'd buy your buttered roll and your, your corned beef, your tin beef, whatever. Oh, your patch king. Yeah. 
Now, if you if you got kicked out early at the bats, because Bigfoot, who was one of the lifeguards, was very fond of uh, barren people. So if you'd have, what was to, the woman called? Remember, to, she had an afro. Yeah, just put the, the showers on cold. But like this is me weekly what? <laughs> yeah, putting on cold to make you. No, but she <laughs> did. She would be all shared a bit of shampoo. <laughs> <laughs> no one even knew what condition it was no. back in the day. You were grand. Mad afro, all of you, yeah, yeah. come now. Oh, mummy. Oh, yes, and many of you would go to the bats. All of us, everyone went to bats. Yeah, we oh, the bats was the thing. Like, yeah, it was probably 50 There's no bunking in there. We had to no, pay. We had to pay. That was that was. You had the door locked. You used to press the button in the door. You so yeah. yeah, get your blue little tray. Not yeah. these animals again. Yeah. Mm. And what were you barred for? We have a bird? Oh, yeah, barred for messing. Or what would happen is... Diving. You weren't allowed yeah. running dives. So if, if you done died... You had a band. So say if you had a green band and the green band went off and you used to get out. If you didn't get out and you were hiding it, then it was like, Tucker, you're barred. And you're like, don't bar me. And you'd be barred till next week. Do you actually know what I found going back a few years ago? Remember the swimming badges that we got? Yeah, I never won any of those. No, Joe didn't. Yeah. I didn't. David didn't. You didn't. So me and Katty, me and Katty and our two brothers used to go swimming every Saturday, and there used to be Kiara badges, right? And I remember only getting with my husband and going on me, like say, when we got, was with my husband on my first holidays, wife and a girlfriend. I remember I saying to him, "I'm not a great swimmer now, but I don't know how because I've loads of badges. I swim every week. I went swimming every Saturday, so I came home from the holiday, and I said to my dad, "Where's my Kiara badges? Like I was a great swimmer." He said, "Olive, you never swam a Lent in your life. All you and Katty Smith did was yak, yak, yak." <laughs> at the side of the pool I said and Joe and Dave I had them I was like oh right so that no I spent right. as if I did guess oh did you yeah. no I never got any yeah where was the pool Shamak Street. Street and just explain it because again not everyone knows and I know exactly what you're talking about because we had a swim pool in Kulak um, that you got the band oh yeah and the alarm went yeah, yeah so there was like five uh, different colour bands yeah yeah. so there was like five bells or five alarms Lights. and blue, red, yellow, green whatever and you used to put the the band on your ankle. So couldn't see it. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, when I think, did we get an hour? You get an hour, yeah. I think we used to get an hour and your time. But sometimes, like let's say the brothers or some of the friends would come later and they got an orange band and you knew your time was nearly up. You'd put the orange band up and they'd know because they knew us. Yeah. Your time's up and you'd be like, no, I'm orange. <laughs> you know what I mean? But yeah, see, they always knew them. Yeah. Yeah. And then straight to the ba- from the bath to Jerry's shop. Yeah. Straight to Jerry's. Yeah. So Sometimes Kathleen, if Jerry didn't have what you wanted to go to Kathleen, what was... Soaking wet hair. Soaking wet hair, was... freezing with Jerry's. And it'd take you like, home. we literally lived five minutes mm. and it'd take you an hour to go home. You know, you're strolling, you're strolling along, you're eating your roll, soaking yeah. your tip top. Yeah, it was great. It's just, they were the great. days. Yeah. What, what's the fashion? What do you remember? What was the big thing when you were a kid? Knit jumpers. Knit jumpers. And like you and your siblings, like all matching. No, no. Yeah. The Adidas tracksuit bottoms with the clips on this side. Now I always remember you and your you had a white night tracksuit and it got bleached and the tick turned gold. Do you remember that you put it in bleach? Well, I tell you, my memory of their uh, fashion was the gap in the GPO arcade because we went in there every Christmas. And I remember me and Joe sitting down to gas because he's turned out to be an accountant now. And we'd sit down have a family meeting. And there'd be a budget and all you bought in the gap was Levi's, Levi jacket. And me poor man, I was on yeah. beans on toast. <laughs> and we were decked out in Levi's. I remember having a black Levi jacket, black Levi's and a cream polo neck. And Joe had like a check short Levi's. And you blonde. And me blonde. And me poor man, I'd say we're at the hit the credit union hard. <laughs> yeah, I'd say so. I've always been shoe mad. Always. Really? Even now, even for my kids, I'm shoe obsessed. Please tell them about when you nearly got arrested on Christmas Eve on your lunch break. Oh, so I can tell that story, can I? Please, on our lunch break, tell them. Oh, I'm, I'm coming across as the 
Yeah, like, <laughs> um, I have a bit of OCD. I don't know. I love clothes and I love everything clean and and it was Christmas Eve and we used to go to K Tree. Do you remember K Tree? No, I don't. Uh, Keely's. It was was it Kylie's at Keely's? Kylie's. But we used to call it K Tree. But we lived in the place. It was a little pub on uh, Liffey Street, Abbey yeah. Street. And I remember I I had a black and white uh, Betty polo neck dress on me and uh, white boots. And I was after paying seventy pound for them and don't. That's a lot of money for don't. Yeah. Yeah. And my last client of the day in House of Colour Christmas Eve was a black dye colour. And blop onto the white boo went the black dye colour. So that was grand. We lunch came 12 o'clock and me and Dion Moore went strolling around uh, the Ilac Centre and I went into Dunn's. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling this story. And I took off one of my boots because they were literally only brand new on me that day. Yeah. I took off one of the boots, changed the boot and went about my business. So I'm halfway through the Ilac Centre and I get a tap on the shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> to come back in and I knew my man walked in store street at the time so I nearly <laughs> died so I'm brought back in I'm brought into a room and I'm sweating and I'm like David Campbell's gonna sack me my man's gonna batter me my man's job is gone and he said remove the boot <laughs> <laughs> like imagine remove the boot they knew it was only one boot so I blacked tight so I'm taking the boot off but they called the police did they? they called the police sorry <laughs> no but I didn't think it was shoplifting I was only taking a You're bleeding right, boot because I know so the oh, police no. came and I know they, they came anyway and the police went thought it was funny I got a little you know don't do that again but I was walking out I'm so happy he knew me ma so I'm walking you let me go you know don't do that again I'm walking out but I'm walking out with the policeman letting them my best mates because I was in Paris like people are looking at me and he's like I swear to God David Campbell he told the whole because I was late coming back from lunch and I had to explain oh, why and then that eve, that day in Christmas Eve in K3 then David thought it was funny to tell everybody but still to this day people used to say remove the boot <laughs> Tell me this, who was the troublemaker between you, Zan? Cathy. <laughs> Rent a row, we used to call her. money joking. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's always one targer in the group and that's all. I was just very protective of my friends. Very protective of myself. <laughs> <laughs> and what kind of trouble would you get yourself into? I wouldn't get into trouble. I wouldn't say trouble, but Oliver had probably said to me, like, for example, the pram sheds. We used to have, people used to throw mattresses out. And we jump off the pram sheds onto the, the mattress. mattress. <laughs> now the mattress could have been walking, walking, <laughs> but that was just it. I was, I think it was more of a daredevil. Yeah. Do you know what it was? Ca- back in the day, we used to have egas. Oh yeah. So we used to build these egas like with wood and cardboard. We used to all sit in them, and we used to all get money off our mas. What is an ega first of all? It's a, a makeshift. That you make a tent out. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's a makeshift. Anything you get your hands on. Makeshift, yeah. 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 And we'd have mattresses and plastic bags and everything to keep us in. And we'd all get money off our mas to buy batteries for the ghetto blaster, yeah. remember? Yeah, and we'd be sitting in the Ega and yeah. we'd be belting in Mariah Carey. And remember, not a drink on us because we were all like 12 and 30, probably even younger. Yeah, yeah. And the fellas would be on one side and the girls would be on the other. Still like that to this day at a only party. Men on one side, women on the other. And it was like that in the Egas. Yes. But Cathy was always kind of one of the lads. 
I wouldn't say one of the lads. No, just, not in it, but you no, are well able. Yeah. I just got you a fella. I was just there straight and just there, what's the story with you and home? And that was it. And they'd say, no, I don't want to meet you home, but I want to meet you. <laughs> <laughs> so were you a heartbreaker or yeah. were you a broken heart? No, my heart just broke a few times, I won't lie. Yeah. Well, she, she did a fair edition now of breaking hearts herself now, you know. When people say, oh, you know, inner city kids are underprivileged. Did you feel... Like you were underprivileged. We had bad things than yeah. anyone. And we still had the kids still do. That's where we people had, make mistakes. They do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's where people I mean, priorities would have been completely different. Like our parents would have made sure that we had the best of everything. Whereas other people might have had different priorities and would have invested in something. Whereas our par- parents invested in us and like... Money townies were known in yeah their, in their, their pockets. pockets they couldn't yeah. keep the money in their pockets quick That's enough exactly so what it was. kids from town and you'll probably notice now stand alone you know they always have the best of everything sometimes they not for the right reason no of course of course do you know what I mean but yeah. just yeah um, it was like what we had we spent there was nothing there was never a rainy day yeah. do you know what I mean it was if you wanted it and we had the money for it so be it you got it yeah and it wasn't now being spoiled or like being mean or whatever. It was just, obviously they walked and they walked hard. So mm. they wanted to give you the nice things. Mm. And then again, we were all classed with the one brushes are in a city awful under privilege. Kids walking around the street, no souls in their shoes. Lies. No. Lies. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, we probably did have a bit of cardboard in there. And the souls come off and Mr. Hayes' was closed. And the whitening on your pumps. There was one, one, uh, one shop for shoes in Ballybock that everyone went to. You got your skill shoes there and you also got your pumps for your dancing for yeah. Sister Veronica's. And you went over in your shoes. You got a new pair of shoes and you left, left the other and you left yeah. with a, t- a tub of whitening. Yeah. And you used to do that with the pumps and they'd crack. <laughs> and you'd say there to was your man, that much whitening on here, I think I need new pair of shoes. And I remember her being like, right, oh, over we go to Mr. Hayes as we go. And yeah. that was it. It was just, you know what I mean? We didn't have like the Nike and the Adidas and, you know, uh, at the time. But we, we won't. I tell you one thing about townies or spotless clean. Like we might not have the best of gear, but the smell of bleach and death off is unhuman. Do you know what I mean? Like, and that is, the, you're actually mopped out of your house. If you're not mopped out of your house, you're not a proper townie. Do you know, that's one thing that you just said there, Cathy, that um, when I worked in Thomas Cook in town, so I worked in Grafton Street and North Dale Street and we, I'd, so I'd save someone in Grafton Street and I'd say to him, you know, it's 90, it's 999 and 99 cents. And they'd say, oh, could you do any better? And then I'd go, right. And I'd have to look at it. Whereas I'd go over to North Dale Street and I'd say to her, now it's two and a half grand for all of you to go. If you give me an extra 700 euro, I get you a sea view. I go to credit union, book it. Yeah. Go to credit yeah, union. Yeah, yeah. And I used to love it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And the thing was as well, there was a lot of trust because like when we lived in Sean McDermott Street for a short while and I'd find like envelopes in the letterbox yeah. and, and then like, I'd take it to the job with me and then someone would open the door and say to me, Rebecca, she got that for you, Bob, I left in your door this yeah. morning. Yeah. And, I'd be, and my boss would say to me, like she was a country woman and she said to me did they leave that that's like three grand or two yeah. grand and they've just put it through your door yeah, but that's, yeah. that's what was doing nobody robbed on their own no like oh, people that's that a, that's a real that's a town. real that's like a I real. don't mean as in us I mean anybody that had an addiction or now it's completely different now they take the eyes out of your head come yeah. back to your eyelashes <laughs> <laughs> um, but back then you could even do you remember the key was yeah, left key on was a, your door your key was either in the door or else your key was put in on a string and you like your man might be in town and you'd be in school and you'd come home and you'd take the key out of the letterbox and open your door. It's attached to the back of the door. So you never string, you put your hand in and pulled your key out. But everybody knew your key was there. Yeah. So whoever wanted to go into your house would have went in and that was it. Like my house and your house was open, open house. Yeah. Yeah. 
Like you would, I would knock at Olive's there. Olive wouldn't knock at like, mine. I moved in. This is hilarious because I was probably about ten, and my man decided to get a double extension. Now this back in the day was unheard of, but Olive Senior had our sights set on this, so this was happening. So I remember we sat down, had a family meeting, and my man said, um, "We're not going to have a toilet for a couple of days." So I said, "That's grand." I up sticks and moved to Cathy's house, and that's exactly. I moved in with her. I was only supposed to stay home for a weekend. I lived with her for about two months. I never came home. No. I never got. And the difference it was so funny because when I moved in with her, I said the end of her, and that was that was grand, like yeah. it was the norm. But I remember, like you know, if you know during that time, me and Cathy had an argument, or if we had a bit, I'd say that's grand. I'm just going to play the Nintendo with Davis. See you later. And I went to our brother's room, sit there and play Nintendo. And then like a man and say to me, watch on what? Oh, she's in the horse. Do you know what I mean? And then like that. She'd say, what's now? Yeah. And then 10 minutes later, we'd all have our dinner and we'd sit down. And I remember my man saying to me, are you coming back? And I was like, no, ma. Like, then the orange your knickers and all in the morning before you go to school. No, I'll see you later. You know, and then laugh, you know, little things like that. And then, uh, of course, I did outstay me welcome. I had to come home, but I think she'd hung on to me for another few weeks. I'm sure she would. She's still hanging on to you now. Yeah. But things like that were just like, oh, you're up and stick. See you later. My mom knew I was going up to Linda's. I was grand. You know, she minds me like I was around. That was grand. And is that what they did in the community? Because that's yeah. what you that did. Yeah. yeah, that was yeah. it. Like, you, you, you were always crying for a bit of dinner. You know, if you, it, it, I was never shortage. No, never no. shortage of dinner. There was always too much. Yeah. The rather than too little. Because even to my mat to this day, it's still the same. Like you went to my mat on a Sunday and she's two lumps of ham. And I was told my daddy, yeah. two lumps of ham. There's a big pot of potatoes. There's every veg going. And you're going, she says, well, I'd rather have too much than too little. And then she's like feeding the nation. Yeah. Where she'd say, my mom would rather cook for loud yeah. than cook for home media. And that's just the way it was. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But it's just completely different now. Obviously, people are so wrapped up in their own lives that kind of the community, the sense of community. It's gone. Kind, yeah, it's gone. It is gone. It's completely yeah. gone. And it's only kind of since COVID where you kind of start to see little communities coming back together yeah. now. Like even on my road, like I moved onto my road there five years ago and I, for about two years, I didn't know one person on that road. Nobody. Because obviously so many people was coming and going to work and doing their daily things. Where when COVID happened, everybody was out because nobody had nothing to do. So everybody knows everybody yeah. now. Do you know what I mean? It's mental, obviously, the way life is now. And it's so busy and hectic where years ago it was like you set out. Yeah. You had a cup of tea and... Mm. You know, your neighbours. And if someone came on the road that was suspicious or they weren't from around, forget about it. Everyone be like a day lost. (laughs) Like, they could be anyone. It could be someone trying to chance their arm. Yeah, that's the police. Or trying to chance their arm. Like, everyone knew everyone a day lost. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So it was one of those kind of areas that. You know, if you are, if you're part of the inn, like say if Cathy's cousin from England came over, you're automatically in the gang. But if you weren't known, you know what I mean? It was like, oh, hang on a minute. They must be lost or they're trying to chance their arm or are they checking cars? Are they checking houses? Because there's a rule in town. No one robs on their own. And in fairness, like they didn't. Majority no. of them don't. No. <laughs> and Cathy, do you think that then your children are going to miss out on that? I think, yeah, I'd. I look at my childhood with girls and how happy and safe it was where it's not safe now. Like my kids on my road has a rule to go from my house to like three doors down. And that's now Ruby is nine. Lily is seven. That's as far as they can go. The rages. I was probably up in O'Connell Street at that age. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But 
now it's just completely different. You don't know, like Ballybock, North Strand, everywhere, everybody knew everybody. Now it's like, who even are they? Yeah. Like Ballybock, when it's dark, and I'm being honest with you, I wouldn't walk up Ballybock in the dark. And that's an awful thing to say that where you are born and raised, you're afraid. Yeah. And that's, that's just the reality of it. Do you know what I mean? It It is sad. Mm -hmm. It's very sad. And I wouldn't like to put that fear into my kids because I'd like them to know they're safe. Like your parents did the best you could do with what they had at that time. Now we've an awful lot more, you know, opportunities, an awful lot more kind of things. Like, you know, we're going to shield them from that. There's things like I don't want them to see. So I make it a different way. There was no bullying when we were kids. There was no online, you know, forums and stuff like that. So you have to be over the cautious now. Snake and like my little, we were walking through Fairview yesterday and my little girl, uh, somebody had chalked a family and then a hopscotch and she was doing that. And I was like, who taught you to do that? Have you seen a hopscotch? I couldn't tell you. And she was able to do it. And I was like, who taught you how to do that? I seen on YouTube. Do you know? And that kind of struck a chord with me. It's like... Mm. They, they don't get the games remember Pats yeah like yeah. we, we Corbs whatever we'd have been out at early morning you know what I mean and we'd have been literally been taken in the streets would have reared us nearly we were out playing and mm. like that with, with bullying and things like that in town it's fire or flight you hold your own but in town a lot of years ago you, know what I mean? you had a fight with someone and 10 minutes later you knocked at the other yeah. door yeah. and you're coming out to play like that's that's one thing that reminds me a good bit of town is that nobody's man and dad got involved because they ah no hang on well no yours uh, no my man not mine in the flats where where I grew up there was a couple of mans now not my man my man yeah. friends with everybody but they did they they came like I won't say names for you. There's no who I'm talking. Like they tore each other. Yeah, but not, it, not us. If we, if we no, fought, like you know. But what that's I mean? yeah. that's what Cathy said. Like they, they used to kill each other, and the kids would be back playing. We're now obviously with social media and the likes of all these apps. That it's just horrendous. It's horrendous. Like to think that there's no interaction with kids anymore. No. It's all through a phone. It's mm-hmm. all in a screen. It's not like, as we said, the open air disco sitting there like that. Freezing. I mean, but you do have to think that's just the world evolving and that's going to happen. You know, mm-hmm. our parents would have experienced stuff that we never did. And that's, that's, you know, that's normal. But it just, it makes me sad that. You feel sorry for the kids. Yeah, just, yeah, yeah, I do. I do. Mm-hmm. Like now you have to organize play dates. Yeah. There's no knocking at people's door. Like our. Like my, my man and dad, um, years ago, it was unheard of built a playroom into our house because they were like, you're going, no, yeah, you're going nowhere. Everyone can come here. Right. So we were the only house. Saturday night racket yeah. phobia. Yeah. We were, the the same room. we were the only house that had a playroom. So we, like people, my friends knock on the door, Joe's friends, and like, she's in the playroom and they'd come in and my man knew they're safe, they're warm, they're here. Whereas that nobody really had, like no one else had no. a playroom and it all was welcome. But what reminds, like my man's the type that, she looks at you. So my man's very particular about who we hang around with. If she doesn't like it, you're not coming in. Katie's man's, if she doesn't like it, you're not coming up the stairs. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I always remember that about woman. If everybody's man doesn't like it, she's telling you out straight. Don't knock at this door again. You know what I mean? So yeah. there's all little things like that, that uh, nowadays like that you have to organise play dates. But back in the day, like someone would knock on the door and my, my man's like, she's in the playroom, you just saunter in. But my man would have preferred to have us there and know yeah. we were safe. So even though things have evolved, they still had the right kind of mantras. Do you yeah. know what I mean? 
And that playroom was still there and uh, eight kids playing. Yeah. And then like Saturday night, if we didn't have the open air disco, we used to do like a party night. So say, for example, we'd get like a video, you'd go around the video shop, pick a video. I remember one night, Cathy said, and we got an arachnophobia and she was <laughs> still having nightmares still about it. And we would have got like popcorn and this, that and the other and all. And we'd have sat there. Yeah, snacks, yeah. Yeah, you'd had your snacks. snacks and it'd been not much. You'd have had that, had your film, went to bed, delighted. Up Sunday morning, do the brassos. Who doesn't know the smell of the brass house? Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. and, uh, then you go to mass, and should that be the end of it? Then you're out on the street. But even that room became famous when we start going out. Oh yeah, so you know, what like, happened? So like we had the playroom. My house seemed to be like the, the place where everyone just came because my man and I were very. They were just like come on, come on, because they knew everyone's parents, knew all the kids we hung around with. So then we'd start going out, where first we'd start going to back eight um, in town. We'd venture <laughs> to Finglas, went to Castle. Oh, God. It's our life. But everyone would come to my house, get ready and go. Do you know what I mean? And then we'd all end up back. And it was back. great because all of the man and dad, they take their hair and they do did hair a thing. <laughs> and then the next morning, there's like 12 bodies in the bed. Remember the blue pull-out sofa? yeah. yeah. And like the, the fry we brought in, the born sausages. But like it was just, you know, it was just amazing. But they're kind of more, they, they want to stay. So they, so if Cathy's man rang or Beverly's man rang, mm. she's here, she's grand. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And then phone calls was always made. Yeah, always. And you're going to follow that through in your parenting, do you think? Yeah, like my our kids be very close. Mm. Like our, we make a point of play dates or we make a point of doing things together so they have each other because like that even though like we were we were great friends and I think it's important growing up that you have good friends so I think definitely we try and follow through you'll always have associates but you'll always have your friends yeah. Yeah. like all I've said we have had times where we mightn't have seen each other for weeks but it's never been awkward like we no. pick straight back up history. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. so how have you remained friends for so long do you think we've never forgot where we've come from and I think when you when you get someone and they get you, yeah, it's just, it's there, do you know what I mean? And we've so much history and so many experiences and so many crazy like times, things that were just bonkers, be too crazy to mention. So whether you did terrible things or crazy things, tell me about Well, our poor girls holiday, I don't think you came to Crete that year, but we went to Crete and... How old were you? 18. Well, Olive was 18, she's like years older than me. <laughs> But uh, I was an avid, avid Aslan fan. Right. And so they were playing in Harsonis's in Star Beach. So Olive wouldn't even know a word of their song at this stage. And we all paid in and Olive climbs over the wall. Just too big and busy singing. And there's the Olive sitting on the stage with Christy Dignam. Had an Iota Garrett Brooks, Elton John. <laughs> I'm not joking you. In El- she was on the stage with Elton John. We used to bunk into Crow Park as kids. And she, this little curly, white-headed child sitting on the stage with Elton John, like, and us dopes. Yeah. Like, right, you need to tell me that right. story. Okay, so from the beginning. So Crow Park, she's always been destined for big things. So this Crow year. Park has always been uh, when they started doing concerts, so the Tina Turner came years ago, Elton John, Billy Joel. Garrett Brooks 
punk Scare punk punk yeah. We would never pay in as kids. We were always brassy, kind of like just, just get chased off the security yeah, guards yeah. and they just no, let you in. Like, 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 to lose, we don't care. So, what was what it would come and come all 10 of us would charge, five would make it in, five would get dragged back. Do you know what I mean? It was fight or flight, you got in. All of always got in. I always got in. I was very fast on my feet, but it was like a challenge. It was a bit of laugh. And then, as well as that, you know, sometimes they might employ people from the area to do security. Yeah. So, you always know, you know, you, so you're in and anyway. So, one year we, um, Elton John and Billy Joel were in Crow Park. My man and I actually went to see it, and I was with the girls. Anyway, I got in, and we used to always say, whoever gets in, gets in, and then we'll all meet up later or whatever. So, I got in, I was on my own, I was potting, I'll never forget, I had a cream Alessi tracksuit on, right? <laughs> Full blonde afro as well. How old were you? Oh, I was probably 12. about 12, yeah. yeah. And um, I just, up the front, up the front, you just make your way, you're on your own with that, I'm up against the barrier. As people start pushing, so I, any dramatics was like, I'm dying, Elton John looks down and he's like, stop, stop, like everyone, you know, kind of giving the socks, the security guard grabs him by the shoulder and I'm kind of like, you know what I mean, I'm sturdy Elton, are you? <laughs> and next of all, he puts me at the side of the stage, the security guard does, Elton comes over, now at this stage, my man does at the concert, after paying, up in the gods, looking at the screen going, Olive Tucker's supposed to be at home. Sandra Tucker's supposed to be minding her. What is she doing here on stage? With they were to get a credit union loan for the tickets and all. <laughs> so anyway, I'm sitting there saying, yeah, Elton, I'm grand. Don't worry about it. Carry on. So next of all, he says to me, I'm going to sing a song for you. I said, I don't believe you. And he sang The Lion King. Oh my God. I'll never forget it. It's still, still to this day. So I'm sitting there saying, God, oh, this is unbelievable. So your man who held the jump singing the Lion King and your man who was playing the guitar come over and gave me, you know, the little, um, the pick. the pick. And he was like, you hang on to that. And I was like, well, that's grand. My walk here is done, lads. <laughs> Met Elton. See us later. On to the next concert. And it was the talk of the town. Never even paid for a ticket. But that was what we used to love. We, yeah. we yeah. always bonked in. If it wasn't, we used to bonk into the point the smash hits was on. Take that. Yeah, take that. Uh, never paid into uh, the point and I'll never forget another story Ultimate Chaos were playing this is how long it was and never paid in got in they threw their towel absolutely oh, scarpered for the towel poor, some poor unfortunate with a pain in had half the towel and I got it and I was like my work again is done here lads I'll see you later strolled in with Ultimate Chaos the towel it was brilliant though. and I was only the I was only one of many we all did that do you know what I mean it was just if you had the balls at the neck to do it and it was fun you'd not to lose they weren't going to lock you up and Gart Brooks loved Gart amazing loved Gart still yeah. up to this day yeah, yeah never got to get on stage with him but we were in there or double the best concert I still talk about this concert mm. even in Cathy's having a few drinks in your mouths yeah and we just put on Gart and we'd be belting it out do you remember yeah. The most depressing, probably singer going <laughs> dancing around. Yeah. And I never forget about Gart. He was only after having one of his babies, and all the townies are throwing up baby, uh, like you know, dolls, and, oh. and they're like, "Congratulations, Gart!" <laughs> Boom, you know, throwing up teddies and everything. I'll yeah. never forget. I'm sure, he got that nowhere else in the world, but he got it in town. Do you know what I mean? It's brilliant. And then take it back to Crete for me. Oh Jesus! I I only thought like I'm blonde, I'm fair, and I only thought I didn't need. Remember so lobster? And I was born to a crisp. So they just call me lobster the whole holiday. But yeah, I'll never forget her sonuses. And B, Ashlyn and Wesley would have loved um, Aslan. And this didn't pay in, jumps up and it's up on the stage again. And giving it sucks the songs I know no words of. 
You still do that now, don't yeah, you? Yeah, she does. Love of mine. <laughs> but that was Wesley broke his ankle. Do you remember? Yeah. I lost the key. It, that was one of the best holidays. Though, so wasn't when it? we went away to Crete, Beverly obviously got sunstroke the first two days we were there, and then decided to just hibernate in the room and clean the room for the whole two. They days. used to laugh at me because I still love cleaning. And, and I just her. constantly be cleaning. You're all Mrs. Hinch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she missed the boat on that one. Yeah. Oh, well. Tell me mad stories that happened growing up. Well, when we started to go to Castle, we, we, so our parents didn't really know what the castle was because obviously we're from town, the castle was from Finglas. So we kind of designed this like teenage. The red line was forced. Yeah, we, we, the red line, we went outside and we were. That didn't work we out well. So we were we not welcome over there. We learned that quick and fast. So we ditched the red line and we went to the Castle. But we went, I have to tell you as a story. So we got fake ideas going to Castle. Now, these fake ideas we paid £50 for, right? I'm not going to say who made them for us, but we on these fake ideas were allowed to drive trucks, ice cream vans, <laughs> school buses, and lorries. And we strolled in like the FBI with these fake ideas and walked into the castle and the castle probably finished at what two or three and like you'd have the townies on one side you'd have Finglas on one side you'd have Ballymun on one side and then you'd just have like anyone else on the other side so we all knew our areas no one would be going anywhere and that's all good and uh, then we, we'd leave we wouldn't be able to get a taxi home it's Finglas and you come to town it was the back road so we Finglas. would walk for hours we would walk for hours <laughs> I remember I was really tall and skinny I remember I had a little do you remember a denim mini and a, a cream um, don't say chain no a cream belly top on me and Santa or Catherine took her let me all the time back I lent it to you no, no, she said, don't let it happen to us. She forced Louis Vuitton bag and I gave it to Beverly. Don't so I'm happen. like, I'm five foot nine. And back then I would have been more how skinny. Oh, yeah. And we, I walked in, do you remember I was in the splits? Sure. Legs everywhere. I fell. The bag, the Louis Vuitton bag, I was afraid it was going to get robbed. Had it around my neck. Do you know what I mean? And around my neck. Well, don't lose that. So I put her around her neck like a chain. And Beverly was that tall. When she fell, she fell halfway home. So I didn't care where she was having to do nothing. You got that bag? Chanel bag now on yeah. my own around your neck. <laughs> I just say to them, no Chanel bag. I don't care if I don't make a home. Once that bag makes a home, we're all good. But we used to have nights out on a Tuesday we'd be in at being in the house of colour and we wouldn't have a shackle because you only you know you're only an apprentice you only got it was a good wage but we were out Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday and I remember one Tuesday do you remember we borrowed money yeah just to go up and we sat in the back gate but like they were the days where you didn't have a kid in the world. no no yeah. ideas I said we could drive ice cream trucks <laughs> and then if I was to take it back because you just mentioned something, Cathy, that I'm, I'm going to have to bring up and I bring it up in a minute. Um, but going back to, right back to your know, dancing, disco dancing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Big disco dancers. So we started freestyle dancing, but we didn't have like, we did it in halls and things like that. But I remember one this memory one time we, we couldn't afford the hall and we danced on the street. The and, priest garden. And in the priest garden we danced on and Jerry Ryan sent Brenda down who used to walk from yeah. and we did a radio interview and they were like, come on, if there's anyone out there, give these kids a hall. And we were like, you know, out busting our moves and doing our bits and bobs. And the next day a church rang and said, look, you can have our hall. And that's where we practiced. <laughs> but because we practiced and practiced and we'd nothing else to be done and we loved it, we were little. We won every competition. And there was big rivalry between William Street, which was Jump Street. You know, that's where we practiced and Sheriff Street. Right. There's a huge difference. And we'd all compete against each other. We'd be neck and neck. Now, 
Jump Street obviously was the best. Are we in a great? Yeah. yeah. People from Sheriff Street might be listening. They might disagree. <laughs> but that's always an ongoing thing. Do you know what I mean? And uh, that was something that filled our teenage years that kept us fit, kept us healthy, kept us hungry because we competed and we loved it. Me and Katty would have danced together for years. Um, we would have... Um, we, what happened was when we used to dance and do the competitions and all, me and Cathy were picked to join this comp- this competitive team. So they kind of picked the best of everyone and then we joined this competitive team in Diggs Lane. Brendan Scully picked us. So me and Cathy would have went away to like Bristol to the European Dance Championships. Do you know what I mean? And we would have like competed and danced and did everything. But what we used to try and do is I remember one year uh, we, we were kind of getting to an age where we wanted to have a few little sneaky drinks. Do you know right. what I mean? So I was kind of doing a sly eye and trying to go out one night. Katya was trying to come with me, but she was a year younger. Anyway, the two of us got caught. Um, we got caught by our nanny who was on the trip with us. And our nanny made us get into bed with her and lie with her side by side so we wouldn't sneak out. So there's me, Horn, and nanny in the bed and me and Horn's lying wide awake on. We should be out drinking. You know, we should, everyone else is down. And then nanny's like, you sleeping? So I seen you. So me, Horn, and the nanny are fast asleep in the bed at like eight o'clock, eight o'clock when everyone else should be out. Everyone else is drinking. <laughs> Cathy said Buffalo G. Oh, yeah. Best time. Are we talking well, about Buffalo yeah, G? We, well, yeah, it's, cool. a, it's a big part of me, me life yeah. as well as being a teenager because we would have all hung around uh, together. And what happened was I was in the dance, you know, I was in the Lane, so I was in the dancing big time. And then an audition came up for me to be in this girl band. But I can't sing. But I can dance. But I couldn't sing. But like that, it comes from me, me background. I'm a chancer. Like, you know what I mean? I can, I can chance me. Don't and, kid a kid. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's a, it's a big town thing. We, we, you know, we can do it and we don't mind. Like, so I said, yeah, I flew over to England anyway, got the audition. That was grand. I said, I don't know how this is going to work because I can't sing. But, uh, you know, <laughs> a great rapper though. Yeah. Yeah. Great 100%, rapper. Especially when I, you know, a few drinks, I mean, I think I'm Coolio. <laughs> Coolio. I think I do Gangster's Paradise very well. But uh, I ended up, what happened was with getting Buffalo G, I moved to England and I was only 15. So all my pals are starting to smell themselves. They're going out, they're hanging around the flats. Boys are on the scene and I'm living in England. And I didn't appreciate when I lived over there in England, I don't think now looking back because I was more concerned about what they were doing, what was happening. So they used to send me home. Yeah, they used to send me home once a month and I thought I'd never get to the flats Mm. today. What's happening, what's going on? So I flew home the Friday morning and I'd be out with these as well as trying to spend time with my family. But they looked at me differently because I was on the telly, I was doing things. We thought it was great. We had a little troll, like she's famous. They were like, whereas I just wanted to be one of them. I just wanted to hang around with them. Do you know what I mean? And we, we had great fun and then I remember of the Sundays night they'd be all staying out and I'd have to go home because I'd have an early flight the Monday morning so tell people what Buffalo G if people don't know so Buffalo G was was, Buffalo G was a band that was um, a kind of a ready made band they were looking for two girls it was a singing rapping kind of kiddie teenagery kind of if you're struggling to lose weight you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. King, um, that was ready to go, ready made. It was one of the girls um, who was in the band with me, her brother was Shane Lynch from Bison and then Bewitched and Naomi can sing. So that helped. So she was in the same dance group as me and Katty, and said, come here, listen, I have an audition in Ireland. We're looking for someone in England and we're looking for someone who's a bit outgoing, blah, blah. Me and her are really good friends. And I said, yeah, we were completely different. Naomi would have been quite shy and quite quiet. And I was just out there, like on my own, completely out there. So it really worked. We were like yin and yang. Um, but I just felt like as much as I was over there and I was having a ball and I was meeting all these famous people, I was like, what's my pals down? Grave town. Yeah. And at this stage, the Nokia's came out so I could ring them and I could keep in touch with them. Right. And, you know, I was like, who are you meeting? What's the story? Don't believe you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Counting the days. And I remember when I was in Buffalo G, one really important moment for me Um I was away that much. I forgot what my ma looked like. And I remember that being a moment where I went to the manager and going, you need to fly her over to me now. I need to be sent home. And my ma, within that day, was flew over, stayed with me for the week. And I remember thinking to myself, this is not, this is not for me. Like, I'm very lucky to be in this position, but this is not for me. So it was a one single deal. So they, we reached, I think it was 17 in the UK charts and 14 in the Irish charts. But if you didn't reach top 10, mm. it wasn't really that good, which that didn't, really didn't bother me because mm. I was like, grand, I'm going home. Mm. And then they wanted to continue it on with a second uh, single uh, for us to try for a second single. I was kind of being like, what I was smelling myself, what's me pals mm. doing? I knew they were going the back gate. I wanted to do that. And um, I've, I just felt like I was missing out. So um, And we were on the other side, like envious. Uh, yeah. yeah. You know, she's in Bahrain. She's touring with steps. She's yeah. on with Ant and Deck and Ant hits the deck. Do you yeah, remember when he clapped yeah, and stuff? Yeah, like, yeah. And we're sitting at home on a Saturday morning watching Saturday morning TV and, and there she is. On a, and we were envious of that, but she was envious of us just being just carefree. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like so. when I found when I was in Buffalo G, I got a bit shyer at home because I didn't want people to, I just wanted to be myself. Me. You just wanted to be the normal. Yeah, and everyone wanted to know, how are you getting on, what are you doing? And I just wanted to be with the girls. I was just like, are we getting a train one from the Lido? 
Like, do you know what I mean? Little things like that. And then I remember my mad say, come on, come back around to the house. We want to see it a bit before we go. And I'd be like, oh, but the girls, you know, the lads, I you want to be hanging around. And I was very cautious about who I went out with as well, who I was seeing, because when you're kind of in that industry, you have to be kind of seen to be, you know, a single Pringle and you can't let anything, can't be hanging around with fellas who are getting chased by the guard. You know what I mean? So you have to be very careful of that. You know what I mean? And how do you think your ma felt like you're gone? Was she? My ma was always very good to me. Like she always let me follow and do what I wanted to do. Once she knew I was well protected, like Naomi's dad was with us all the time. We had a chaperone and a tour manager. So we were very well looked after. So at the drop of a hat, she was over with me that day. I couldn't remember what she looked like. She was there on the next flight. There was no expense spared. She was flown over. I'd be in contact with her most days. And do you know what I mean? She, once I was looked after, she knew I was all right. And she'd never stand in my way, ever. Paddy was the, pr- the proudest. Ah, my dad, my dad. He used to have the leaflets. Yes. Oh, yeah. really? And the scrapbooks and yeah. everything. My dad to this day, no matter what I do, no matter if it's a hairdressing competition, if it's anything, he's my number one fan. But... For me to make it in my dad's eyes, I need to get myself on the late, late show. Because, yeah. I mean, if you get yourself on the late, late, you've made it in there. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take a quick break. Wait. We just took a break there. And while we were off, Mike, we spoke about mental health. And Bev, you on your page, the unlikely stylist, Bev Piper Lily, and you speak about your mental health on that. Mm-hmm. Um, so bring it back to when that started. And then for you girls, you know, what was your involvement what was it like for you? Hard work. <laughs> um, I kind of got a bit of the taste of depression after my niece passed away in 2005. I would have been really close to her. Um, my sister had two other kids, so I kind of stepped in and used to mind her. And then when she was on the cancer ward in John's, I used to sleep over there. The girls used to come over and make sure I had everything I needed and stuff. And after she died, I kind of start becoming a little bit introverted. How old were you? 19 when she died? Yeah, yeah I was 19 when she died. And what did she die from? Leukemia. Okay. Um, so yeah, I became introverted then, uh, a little bit introverted. And then I had an accident. I don't really want to talk about that, but I had an accident and that kind of, you know, kind of spiraled. spiraled it a little bit. Um, and then it was really after I had me first little girl, Piper, um, I got postnatal psychosis and... I mean, that was the darkest. Like, I remember my mother-in-law, her sister, picking up my child. And I'm sitting looking at her, and I, like, I literally wanted to kill her. I'm like, put her down. Like, I wouldn't let, like, you all know, like, Piper wouldn't have a dot, a dirt on her. Like, she used to have, I'm OCD to a, to an extent anyway, but, like, she'd stand and there wouldn't be a thing out of place. And, I'd be actually afraid to breed on Piper. Yeah. Beverly, like, socks got thrown, thrown in the bin, like, a new vest every time I dressed her. I'd always have a new packet of bibs. But this is all because of, I was thinking germs. And, and then it got so bad where I thought my friends were against me. I thought you were talking about me. I turned on some of them. And it was just, yeah, it was a really dark time. Um... And then when I got pregnant on Drew, I got prenatal depression, which I never even knew, you know, and I went through a horrendous time then. But when I had her, it was completely different. I think I went through a year with Drew not having any, just like happy. And yeah. And then a few months ago, I started getting really bad anxiety attacks again and just having days where you know you'd open your eyes and you'd be like oh do I really have to get up today but no and you have to get up you have three young kids 
but I know how to manage it now. And I don't think there's as much of a stigma attached to it. I'm not afraid to talk about it anymore. I think by talking about it, you're helping people or you could be helping people. So, I mean. But when you first, Beverly, had that, when we tried to speak to you about it, I remember me and Olive, we had the, obviously a conversation because I said, obviously I been picked up on it, yeah. And I said to Olive, I am convinced that Beverly has postnatal. And we tried and tried, didn't we, Olive? We tried and it was just that brick wall was there. And I don't think Beverly was ready to, I wouldn't say to come to terms with it. She she tried to hide it. And the more she was hiding it, the more deeper she was going into the Well, depression. unless you can admit it. Like, what 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 was the, the breaking point for me was, it was around Christmas 2014. And Piper was, I think, seven months old. And I was in Dunn's. And I got out of the lift and I started running and crying. And I was like, oh my God. And I just couldn't catch my breath. And it was just horrendous. And then I knew I had a problem. But again, I tried to mask it. There was nothing wrong. But there was because I was angry with people. I was, you know, I was lashing out. And then after I had Otis, I had a horrific birth on Otis. And I remember one of the registrars coming to me and saying that they'd recommend I speak to somebody after it. And I think he was six weeks old again. I plucked up the courage. Now everything was going fine, but the baby knew she was to come to the house and she'd be like, how is your house so clean? You have two babies. How, but I was running on empty. I went like that. Do you remember? Mm-hmm. Like I was after losing loads of weight and I was running on empty after I had him, but I didn't see. And I remember he was six weeks old and I decided, right, I'll go to Hollistry. I'll, I'll go over. And I went over and I was talking and I just broke down. And one of the reasons why I broke down was I couldn't believe that I'd let six years pass of me feeling the way I felt for me to finally ask for help. Mm. Like I didn't feel like six years prior, I was embarrassed or I couldn't there admit. There so much awareness about mental health six years ago. Either no, there was a stigma to it. Yeah. So whereas people didn't speak about it. The place that you were in had an awful lot to deal with it as well as in you put an awful lot of that pressure on yourself. Oh, of course. Thinking that yeah. people were speaking about you. Yeah. When but that was to do with the psychosis. You think everybody's against you. Like, you know, as I was saying about thinking I was going to let my child fall, then like somebody would look at you and you'd be looking at yourself thinking, like, you know, are they looking at me? What? It was just, it just wasn't a nice time. But fast forward those six years after I had Otis and so, like I broke down, I couldn't catch my breath thinking I'd put my partner and my kids through like, I think it was, I was telling you, as Piper turned around and said, I wish I had the mummy back from when I was three because I was, I, I didn't realize, but I was angry and I was snapping at the, like the slightest thing. Do you know what I mean? And now it's, it's night and day. Like, obviously I still have me, me bad days, but yeah, it's night and day to what it was. Very and I know how to, yeah, I know how to cope with it now. Very hard for you to hear that from her. Mm. Oh, that was there's a picture in our bedroom of me, O'Sheen and Piper at the lights in Dublin Zoo. Mm. And she picked it up and she was like, I wish I had the happy mummy back. I wish I could go back to when you were happy. Like that was like somebody was at stabbing me. So that's when, you know, you kind of have to, I got my kids, we wouldn't argue or raise our voice in front of our kids, but it obviously was affecting her Mm. that she was not affecting her in the, the, but she was able to know I wasn't as happy as I was. So yeah, it was, it was hard. And then for you girls, like, were you around when this was happening? Did you just notice this happened? Have you heard this conversation lots of times? Yeah, well, I know I've been, you know, 
Um, you are probably the one of the only I, ones, and you both. Like, I probably at times, now my family would know now, but I, I would have spoken to the girls more about it than I would have. Because my ma used to say to me, and still to this day, I don't let anybody take my kids. My ma's like, you're not superwoman. You need a break. And I know I needed a break and I still need a break. And I can't let the reins go because of the anxiety that still lingers. You know, what if my mom let one of the hands go? Or what if and what if? And these are thoughts that will never leave me, I don't think. Mm -hmm. But yeah, by talking to the girls... Like you even say when I ring you, yeah, God, you're ringing. Yeah, like I went through a stage where I wouldn't answer my phone. Like yeah. I text and so I wouldn't answer That's my phone. Fair. Like I'd ring Beverly and the phone would ring out, and then she texts me, Are "You looking for me?" Okay, and I used to be like, "Right, I knew she was." You know, she I I've kind of known her because I know her so well. I've been through so much with her. I know when she's in a dark place, and it used to frustrate me because sometimes I'd be thinking, "Like, is she for real?" Answer the phone, but. I have learned a lot about depression and anxiety and all that type of thing through Beverly and through Cathy because they've experienced it way worse than me. I'm, I've never had any form of depression that I know of. I'm so lucky. Like even, you know, when I've had any kids, I had, I do get, I do get anxiety about, oh God, I hope nothing happens tomorrow. You know what everyone gets, but to the levels that Beverly, I've only watched that as an outsider looking at her and I mean, I'd always try and come and I've said it to Cathy, like if I'm trying to say something to Beverly, if I think, you know, she's doing something that's erratic or like she, you know, she's having words with someone and I think she's in the wrong. I'll always try and say it in the most possible, delicate way. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because she's fighting with herself. You know what I mean? We we only, we only love the Bev that's out having the fun and having the crack because when she's on, she's on. But when she's off, she's on the floor. Do you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. from a friend's point of view, you have to know when to stand back and you have to know when to say, come on, like, you know, and even with Cathy, like there was an episode there a couple of weeks ago where she was having a moment and I said, get up, we're going for a walk. Me you and Bev are going to seafront. I know you don't want to go. The air is going to do you the world of good. Let's go. And she was like, yeah, that's what I need. Do you know what I mean? So as, as much as I'm not as educated about the stuff that they've gone through, I know the little things that I can be, that I can bring to the table to kind of snap us out of it, even if it's just for a short time. And Cathy, how did you see or said there that you, you, you're the one to re- that rang Olive and mm-hmm. said to her, Bev's in trouble, I can Well, obviously when I had my first girl, Ruby, um, I suffered with postnatal. I never forget, I lived out my ma's back and I got to the stage where my ma actually broke down and cried and said, it wasn't even to me, obviously. I locked the door for three weeks, Ollie, pulled the blinds. Let nobody in, nobody out. And she said, yeah, she's so near, but yeah, so far. And I just kind of knew, obviously, from what I went through. I wanted to try and stop Beverly before I got to where I got to. But unfortunately, I didn't know the extent that she was gone past that stage. Where even when Olive had Lola the first time and I was like, if you ever feel like this, don't let it go. Just... Get up, just get washed. And obviously when you're a new mammy, it's so hard. You're so used to getting up, getting washed and dressed and out the door. You have to pack suitcases to bring a baby. <laughs> like it's nappies, wipes, clothes. And before you walk out the door, they need to be changed. Then they need to be fed. So it's, it's just like, so overwhelming. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's true what they say. Like when you go into, obviously I went to the return to Beverly, went to Hollow Street. You go into a hospital as obviously the mammy and the daddy, two single people and you're coming out with this little person that depends on you for the life, for you to mind, no to, pray, <laughs> to nurture, to love. It's just so overwhelming. Like, it's like your life has been put on hold because you have this person to mind. 
And it's an awful lot, obviously, for you to take in, let alone for your brain. Do you know what I mean? To think of, okay, this time, say, 12 hours ago, she was still in my stomach and I could still do this where you can't now. Mm. Do you know, like it's, it's a, and then obviously we are emotional that just goes through the roof. So, and then obviously, if you don't know what you're expecting, it hits you 10 times over. Do you know what I mean? And then obviously I had my second baby, Lily. How did you pull yourself out of the three weeks stuck in the house? Um, I actually, I got a, Yo, through my letterbox, which was a counselling number for Oasis in Seller Place. And I just said to myself, I am not doing this. I am not. Like, I looked and I sat and I cried looking at Ruby and whatever. And I said, I can't do it. Mm. Just just couldn't do it. So I rang Oasis and I went, i never forget, went to them and they actually told me to go to the Rotunda. And I went to counselling the Rotunda then. And then obviously Lily was, Ruby was four months when I got pregnant on Lily. So when I had Lily then, I had to, I never got it, thank God, after Lily. But I went to counselling before I did get it. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So I spoke about it. Then obviously coming home and you're 13 months old and a brand new baby, it's hard, but you just have to get up and get on with it. And you said there about your mum. How old your mum would probably would be? My, my mum is 57. Oh, well, then she's a young woman. Mm. Um, my mum's in her 70s, but she said it wasn't spoken about no. when she when it was her and she had it. But your mum was a support to you, yeah. was she? Yeah, she was great. Great. And I've only for her putting that in my letterbox. I so could've she probably put went, it in your letterbox? She put it in my letterbox okay. and I didn't know. Okay. So I could have obviously went months and went into a darker place and just kept escalating and escalating until I stayed there. And then obviously I knew what it was because obviously I had a sister and she died with cut death at six weeks. So I've seen heartbreak and I was looking at her going, what, what happens to her if that happens to me? Do you know what I mean? Like if I can't do things for her. So I had to think of her. I just had to get up and get on with it. And then that's how you then noticed it, spoke to Olive and then the two of you would support Bev. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then again, it was like, as Olive said, we'd ring and ring and ring and then why are you looking for me? And obviously you're in a dark place. You don't want to talk to anybody, but it's just, just to hear a different voice. Do you know like, what I mean? I write a lot. So I keep a journal and I write a lot. And, you know, if I have good days, bad days, I'll write it. And sometimes it's like, you know, being able to form your ex- and express yourself. I wouldn't be able to sometimes do it on the phone. So by doing it through a text message, I'd still be communicating with my friend. It's like now if I'm having a bad day, I'll write it down and you can look back over it. And I'm, but that's what I used to do. I couldn't bring myself to talk to them on the phone. I used to do on my mom. I used to hang up the phone on my mom. But I text then and I try talk to them through text. But yeah, it was really, really hard. And you had your frustrations then through that. Yeah, but I never stopped trying. Like I, I wasn't. You never gave up. No, 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 like other friends have like backed away or like, and these are friends that you, you know, our circle friends that have just kind of, you know, pulled away. But like me and Olive have never, like we, I think we've only had like two or three arguments, proper yeah. arguments. Yeah. But like that, we've never fallen out because she's never stopped trying. Do you know what I mean? And do, are you angry with them or do you forgive them? Because the- I forgive them now because some of them have and are going through similar situations. And I suppose, as I said about mental health, people are ignorant to it. 
Yeah, I think ignorant, but also there's a lot of, that they don't understand it. Mm-hmm. I, understand I agree it. with that. They don't yeah. understand because yeah. I don't understand it. So mm-hmm. like as Beverly and Cathy are explaining their experiences, mm-hmm. I don't, I'm learning loads because I don't experience that. I haven't experienced that. I, I'm lucky enough that, you know, depression has never been a thing that's part of my life. Um, I got a slight bit of anxiety when I had the kids, which I think everyone everybody does. does yeah. But I, that to me, what they're talking about would be foreign. Do you know what I mean? Now I'm very lucky that I have a great support system of two older sisters and, you know, I have a great family that I can, I can talk to as well as you do. Mm-hmm. But I just never experienced that. But I knew, I knew Beverly was down and I still wanted to keep her connected as hard as it was, you know what I mean? For her. Um, I, I think if you stop asking, then you know what I mean? Then you're not really being a good friend. I knew the majority of the time she was going to say no. We're going for but a drink. But she still come. ask. No, no, I knew she was going to say no, but I still wanted her to know that the door was always open. And that's, so important. Yeah. Of course. That's I only so put important. that on my social media the other day. You know, people can ask you, are you okay? Some, some people aren't, they're going, like, they're not going to say how they feel. Like, it's all about action. It's not about asking somebody, you know, go and ask them, are they okay? Or sit down face to face and have a cup of tea with them. We can, all words can be empty. You know, there's often times where people would say, uh, or when somebody dies, oh, if you need that, give me a shout. But like, are they really going to be near therapy? You know, like empty words mean nothing. The only way I could get to Beverly, I, she she stopped coming out for a drink. She stopped socialising. So the only way I could get to stay in touch with her or for her to, to come out would be Funky Monkeys. So I'd be like, Cathy, we're going to Funky Monkeys, Tuesday, two o'clock. And I'd be like, now Bev, Lola is dying to see Piper. In other words, don't cancel me. It's not even about the kids, but that's how I got her there. Do you know? Yeah. And when we look back, did get to the stage where Beverly, where we would make plans and yes, she was all up for it. If I go out for drinks, yeah. even if it was the trade, it was all up for it. And then say, come Saturday, Beverly's phone be off or Beverly wouldn't answer the phone. Or- and that was not because I didn't want to go out with me friend like even still to this day like, there'd be times where I'd be all up for it and then that day would come and I, I physically like I'd feel sick or I'd be shaking and then I'd be like no I'm not because I used to remember I'd hate disappointing and I'd be like gosh they're just going to be in the high today again or they'll stop asking and but that never happened whereas now like I love she loves a social night you know she's 360 so like if that's happening or that's going down I'm like you know, it's a different conversation. It's like, get the kids sorted. Mm, We're going here. Here's plenty of notes. Now I will still prep her. I'll ring her a couple of days before how you feel and what's the story. And then on the day, we still all good. And, you know, it's, it's been successful. So were any of you hurt by Beverly letting you down? Was it disappointment? No, I just think we, we knew. We never had any, like, like I said, sorry if I interrupted. Like I said, one friend in particular, I had a horrible falling out with because I, I assumed something I shouldn't have assumed. Because of the psychosis I thought somebody was talking about me, something was aimed at me. It was completely not. But in the state of mind that I was in, I couldn't, you know, if I could take back some of the stuff that was said between the two of us, of course I would. Whereas I never, we never got to that stage. We no. never had. It was more frustration, I think, mm. on my behalf. And anyway, yeah, like, because yeah. your friends in a dark place, you want to help them. What can I do to help you? But you can't do anything. You just have to sit on the sidelines keep the communication lines open and when they're ready, they're ready. I find that hard because I want to help her. I want to fix it. I want, I'm a doer. I'm going to shake her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, Come on, you're going to, I, I've said to her a couple of times, you are going to wake up and be 70 and you're going to be raging. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You're gorgeous now. You're great. Get out, live your life. But that's my mental state. That's not horse. Do you know what I mean? So, you know, we're at, everyone's at their own pace as well. Yeah. But yeah, appreciate it now. Like all of you used to talk, 
I don't mean it, like I if I'd say, oh no, I'm not going to go on it. Come on. Whereas now there's no pressure. She understands it that little bit more that it's not me backing out because I want to back out. It's it's me backing out because I've no control over over how I feel. Do you know what I mean? But it doesn't happen like that now. No, now no, you can't get me home. Yeah. Like if I go out now with the girls, you can't get me home. Yeah. Like I I, I want to be the last girl standing. Do you know how Cathy felt? Cathy, you didn't answer there. Like how did you feel while this was all going on? I just, obviously, well, I was nowhere near as bad as Beverly, but I just, how I felt, I tried to stop her feeling, but obviously Beverly was gone past the way I felt. So I just thought, I thought I actually let her down as if I just stopped her before I got any further. But obviously she was gone well past that before. But Mm -hmm. that's all you can do. And all you can do is be there and just share your experiences. Obviously, mental health now, it's more spoke about everybody kind of goes through their own demons and whatever. Where then seven years ago, we are an awful lot younger. The scene that was on, it was never spoke about, you know what I mean? It was always, oh yeah, what you were in the weekend, blah, blah, blah. We go, we're going here, we're going there. It wasn't, how are you? How are you? Do you know what I mean? And then obviously when you do have a baby, you do kind of lose some of yourself. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And Mm. yeah, it's the whole waiting, the whole feeling ugly do you know what I mean? So you kind of, it's just, it's, it's a touchy subject yeah. for some people. Mm-hmm. And did you know that she felt that she'd let you down? No. Stop crying, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> have a drink after I'm talking about it. <laughs> so Olive, I was watching you during this little moment that the girls were having there and I think you were a bit like, were you shocked by the conversation? Um, it's stuff that I know, but when you hear it out loud, you know, I, I just, I hate the thoughts of Cathy feeling that she let Beverly down. I hate the thoughts of Beverly being in that space. Um, and I'm just glad that, you know, we're out the other side of it as a group of friends and that we've still stayed together. And mm-hmm. I think if anyone is listening to this and, you know, they're listening to all our experiences, like from, you know, Cathy who's gone through, Beverly who's gone through and me who hasn't gone through, but sitting on the sidelines, I just think the main thing is, no matter what you're going through, just keep the communication lines open. No matter if it's a text, a call, a winky face, just, you know, you need to still be there. And as you said, Bev, like the words are empty. So something like as clever as funky monkeys. Yeah. As mm-hmm. saying, now I'm putting the pressure on you. It's not about me. It's, it's about, about your child. It's about yeah. your child. Yeah. yeah. And that was really clever. Like mm-hmm. to be, because you're putting pressure on her to get Don't herself. Tell her that, will you? Pull her in her <laughs> yeah. just a pretty face. No. Look at the size of her head as Do it is. Do not let the blonde hair fool you. I have my ways. Yeah. No, but it was very clever. Um, so Bev, I know you talked about on your page. What advice would you give anyone out there who's struggling, especially with the psychosis? Because that is so serious. I mean, when you're in a position, you don't realize. But it's, you know, people around you, you know, if you have a friend or a daughter that just had a baby, you keep your eye out for Warning signs. the signs because you're in, a new mother will be in denial. They, they don't know any different. So it's just all normal to them. You know, that comes with the baby. So you think. Um, so, yeah, just just always have your eyes open to your brother, your sister, your friend, your dad, your mom. Like nobody knows, you know, your, your mind is like a piece of string. And once that's gone, it's gone. So, you know, yeah, just just look out for each other. Just be nice to one another. Be kind to one another. There's no age limit to depression. Mm. It can happen to anybody at any time, at any age, at any stage of life. Just Just be kind. And it is, it's in this moment, what's happening with with COVID. It 
people don't know what's going on in people's lives. Like they don't know what's happening. And you said that the older age people now, they're struggling because they're alone and they just say, well, there's no point in me being here. Mm-hmm. That's really like, be kind. So tell me something that you're, that you're going to instill in your children that you learned from your childhood. Uh, I definitely think good work ethic, be kind. Always, always look out for each other. That's very important. And if you want anything, just get it yourself. Like we're of the, the ethos that we don't need a fella to get us what we want. We are strong, independent women. If we want Chanel handbags, if we want Gucci <laughs> shoes, if we want diamonds, we'll buy it ourselves. Very Although good. it's nice to be gifted, but we'll buy, buy it ourselves. Thanks. And respect. 100%. And just for kids with the way the internet is, don't be afraid to talk to your parents and be open. Try to be as open as you can with your kids. And what type of parent do you think you are? I'd say my parent, I would say I'm strict. Um, like half seven bedtime for the three of them. and Olive? I'm all about making memories. <laughs> I don't care. Let's do it. it like I want to make so many memories with my kids. There's loads that me and Dave And now you're making do. me feel. No but, that's, <laughs> I, that's, no, but that's my thing. No, I want to no, make no. memories with them. I, I'm lucky enough that when I think back to my childhood, of great memories yeah, those things yeah. that my man dad did small things that I Medicine just think biggest- oh my god like you know what I mean and that's what I want to do for them I want them to look back I want us to have a great communication I always want them to talk mm-hmm. to me and one thing I always say to obviously Lola is six now and you know Sonny's too small but I'm always conscious that if she has a problem that if there's a problem on her shoulders the thing in our house is you put it onto mommy's shoulders and daddy is huge she's six foot three so mommy puts it onto daddy's shoulders you don't carry anything all you have to do is two things in our house and that is have fun and have an education so all my babies have to do we'll take care of the rest where did you get that from dr phil <laughs> <laughs> i thought you were going to say paddy no, no i'm only joking i um i i just i'm very that's a, a big thing in my house um with, with the kids i just want them to have fun life's hard enough when they get older yeah. i want them to think of They're disneyland yeah i want them disneyland fairy tales for as long as possible there's enough stuff going out in the big bad world when they're ready, they're kids, ready. Be kids. Yes, exactly what's just the rush just love happiness mm-hmm. memories take as much photographs as possible just enjoy it embrace it go on the journey with them and Very just important. enjoy it tell me about you as a group okay so there's a group of girls there is me Bev Catty then there's Lisa and Linda there's Ash and Sharon there's Dion Charlene Cheryl Amy and Amy so we are a group of girls that just want to go out we want to have a ball we want to get absolutely astocious uh, we want to dance like to Beyonce watching. we want to dance to Beyonce like no one is watching and we don't want to talk to any men because anytime any men come near us we think they're trying to rob us we're okay. not interested <laughs> we're, not, we're not interested we just want to go out have a bop and have a good time and that's exactly what we do and in fairness to the girls we hang around with they're all similar yeah. you know they're a lovely group of girls everyone's lovely they're kind they're respectful and we just want to have a ball like you know and it'd be great to get them around the table because they have some great stories and great experiences as well Go back to your first love. I met Christopher. Uh, Christopher. <laughs> Jesus Christopher. I met you. Uh, well, it would be in 2000. The millennium. Jeez. Uh Now. Is he local? He was from Dorset Street. He was an outsider. Right. Dorset mm. Street. Oh. Yeah. yeah, we didn't let many in. What was the boundary? Okay, the boundary was. Summerhill. Yeah, North Strand, <laughs> Summerhill, Sheriff Street, Ballybock. That was it. Yeah. Sean McDermott Street. Sean McDermott Street, yeah. Joseph Mansions. 
And we went along, split up, and I was going into white credit for my phone, obviously to hound him. <laughs> and I dropped the credit on the floor, and I always remember seeing it. You know, townies, we have a thing for runners, right? Clean shoes. And I remember seeing a filthy pair of runners. I was like, ooh. And I came up and I was like, oh, hello there. <laughs> <laughs> we can change those yes. And we, we, he was after being in the Ivy Gardens at the, the Taste of Dublin. So we yeah. dirty runners from now. I, I fixed them since then. Oh. But uh, we start. Texting back and forth, and I remember the next morning I I was texting, "How are you?" You, I had a message, and I was like, "Ah, oh, thanks, Eugene, or whatever." I was convinced his name was Eugene, but it was Ushin. But it was like nearly a year before we got together. Talk about what you're doing now again. Just going back to the social media and your style. Where did that come from? Putting negative energy from not sleeping and having insomnia while pregnant into something positive. You always had a nice. I did. I always kind of had a little knack and. Like I remember years ago taking, you know, the, the backs of your jeans and sticking them on t-shirts. Like this as, as kids. So I always kind of had that little kind of knack. But yeah, like me page started from not being able to sleep with, when I was pregnant and just putting looks together. And I was obsessed with kids clothes after having Piper. Like how bad was I? Mm-hmm. So just, it just kind of went from there. And then Alana, this company called Alana.ie, they're based in Cork. They got in touch with me a couple of months ago and asked me to come on board as a virtual stylist for them. Brilliant. So like people then go through them, book me to, like you have to find out all their likes, dislikes, sizes, bus size. And I give them outfits then and they pay me to do that. What's your page called? The Unlikely Stylist. Got that 10,000 followers. Yeah, 11, so 7 out of 10, 7 now. You deserved them, didn't you? You did. No, I did. I, do you know what? I think COVID, and I don't, I hope you don't mind me. I think COVID has awoken people to influencers influencers mm-hmm. um, what they're truly about and I don't mean I'm not dissing I'm not but like I've asked so many big profiles to share and they'd ignore you or tell you they can't or they can't be responsible for your content and, and making you be like you wouldn't believe some of the response how uh, horrendous they were in the same position we were in I don't hashtag and I do this because I'm passionate and I love it some of these influencers are doing it for what they can get. And I think COVID has opened people's eyes to the fact that they don't have any real content. There's a difference between how you approach somebody about it. Like, don't be mean to them. But say, like, you're asking me to buy this product when you're not using it yourself. How hard was it to get to that 10,000? Very hard. Because I got there through people from the area and my friends share my profile, but trying to get a big name or anybody. And there's a couple of big names that did share, but trying to get anybody to that's known to share your page. It's like, oh, you know, um, that's not what my page is about or 
it's it's pretty disheartening when you're working so hard like takes two minutes not even two minutes to share something but they don't they won't who knows why they don't do it you know I, I, I honestly I, I do be puzzled because like a girl from Liverpool when I say the most remember you commented she's mm. the most amazing designer she's asked me a couple of times to share a page and I'm like yeah no problem it takes seconds to do it and I've done it and she reached 2,000 followers today and she's like can you send me your size and your details I want to commission a blazer for you because I, I love blazers yeah she, and I was like I didn't share your page to do that you know I shared it because I think you're fantastic at what you do and well, yeah because you just, wonder where they came from yeah. I suppose how yeah. they started and the yeah. support that they got because they've had to reach out to people and ask and they only have the followers they have through the likes of me and other people on Instagram liking, supporting, following, sharing. That's how you grow. So yeah, it's yeah, it can be frustrating. But you got there. I got there. And I'll keep going. Through your own social media. Have you been getting like like trolls, any of that kind of thing happening? And- I got a couple. Yeah, but you're very controversial sometimes as well. Like, you know, you could put some stuff out there that might rub people up the wrong way. Like, you know, we've talked about that. You, you don't do it as much on Instagram. You've done mm-hmm. it on Facebook. Oh, yeah. I used to love an opinion. I'm very opinionated and I used to love a debate. Thanks so much. Yeah. Uh, but again, that was part of just trying to express. Sometimes it was anger. Getting it out one way or another. Do you know what I mean? Whereas, like what? Like what? what? You know, somebody put up something. It might have been, it might be, right, for instance, um, You'd have somebody from around matter hospital nurses having a clue what they're doing. I'm like, these people have spent years in college, educating themselves, and you're sitting on your arse at home and you're giving out because you have to sit in A and E. And it used to frustrate me. Now I don't. I don't care what Anne Barry is doing. Do you know what I mean? Whereas before, I think because I have a new focus, I have kids. I I don't care. I I live in a bubble now. I live in my own little bubble, and I'm happy now. Yeah. I don't care what anybody else is doing as long as it doesn't affect me, my family, or my friends. Slay who you want. So you'd go off on a tangent and you'd be sitting at home watching this on your Rolling our eyes. Losing, losing the, the will. will to live. Ringing Cathy saying, I am going to kill her. What is she thinking? I want nothing but the best for you. You need to be aware of your presence. Do not feed into that. It's unnecessary. Mm-hmm. So I make a very conscious effort on my social media. That's what I do. I, you know, your way is your way and that's your business. If I have a, a problem with it, I'll, I'll talk about it myself personally. I, I won't feed into anybody. I just don't feed. Someone trolls me. I don't even entertain it. I like, I just, I, I'm lucky enough now. I haven't been trolled. I don't feed into anybody. I'm, I'm not interested. Do you know what I mean? And on me Instagram, I have like, how, how long am I at? Like I'm doing it about a year now outfits and stuff and I have Facebook I used to be so opinionated like this I'd be like what is she saying and and the main thing that I believe in I'm I'm a big believer in be kind to people because life is too short and you just don't know what's going on um behind a closed door I've always been like mm-hmm. that and you don't know people's tipping point mm. and I think that's very important like I just feel um you know people you know people are going uncertain times now people are going through awful pressures awful Horrible, times yeah. You know, I always believe that if nothing good comes of what I'm going to say, then I'm not saying it. And I I really focus that on my kids. Like, Mm -hmm. I just want them to be kind, good human beings. Everyone else can be what they want. Mm -hmm. But I just think you just never know what goes on behind a smile. And then, Olive, I'll come to you. So I am the creative director of House of Colour, which is a 
a pretty big deal. So it's a lot of pressure. Um, I love what I do. I've been working in the company just close to 15 years. I'm lucky enough that I get to do the shoots, the shows, the creative team stuff. And now I'm actually educating a good bit. So I am pretty, um, you know, I am pretty alive on social media, but it's not the B end and D end of things for me. I always look at social media as I do social media. Social media doesn't do me because I don't want that to be, um, a dark place for me. I don't want, you know, I don't want to be trolled. I just want to share. I look at it as a sharing community. If I find a, a hairstyle or I do a hairstyle or a color and I think, oh my God, I think people would like this. I want to share it. If I'm in Zara and I see a dress, I want to share it. If I see a whopper haircut or if Bev puts an outfit together, I want to share it. I look at it as a sharing community. I don't want to get anything from it. You know, if I come across something that's really good and I think, oh my God, I think people would love this. This is a great idea. I will share it. So I just kind of do my pages more of a positive positive standpoint um I go on every I, I go on a bit like not every all the time I do a little bit with family I just basically do a life in the day of olive mm. sometimes I live the life of five people in one day sometimes I take a day off and just have fun with my family or sat on the couch movie jams all day and watching Dr. Phil watching Dr. <laughs> Phil and I share it's my space my community and the followers that follow me are pretty much similar. So it does, you know, there's no pressure on it. It's just a very easy little community that I'm building for myself and for people who want it. And Olive, where can we find your page? So my page is Olive Tucker Lee on Instagram. And I am Instagram virgin. <laughs> and the only reason... I joined Instagram was because Miss Tucker Lee sitting there hounded me for so long to join it. Not interested. Haven't got a clue how to use it. <laughs> Keep asking to show me. But I will get there one day. I will get there. What Definitely. do you do, Cathy? We're two head cases. <laughs> <laughs> I did work as a carer, but obviously with this and I have COPD, so okay. with work and whatever, and it just it's just mentally draining. Yeah. And I just couldn't do it anymore, so I took a year out. So I'm just being mammy duties at the minute. How do you survive with your COPD? How does it affect your daily life? Well, I gave up the cigarettes. Mm. I'm on a vape. Mm-hmm. We have controversial over that. But uh, yeah, no, it's, it's come here. The winter, it's it's not a very good time. It's, it'd be that it's pleurisy and pneumonia. But just get up and get on with it. Don't let that get you down. Do you know what I mean? You come across as that type of person that yeah. you just get up and go, especially, yeah. like as you said, with the postnatal depression, you just get up and go in yeah. the end. And then I just have two hyper kids at home. So it's just... One day life. I think she's underselling herself there. She works ridiculously hard she with our two kids. And she is the friend that I could ring at three o'clock in the morning and say, I need to drop my kids and she will help you. So she is that one friend that you need and she would do absolutely anything for you. And you would. And that's not me just sitting across the table from you. From the, the age of eight, you've mm. always done everything. So although, you know, she she worked for a long, long time caring for elderly people. And you are brilliant at that. And unfortunately, you can't go back to doing that. But, You've uh, always been a mother hand, though, hasn't yeah, she? Yeah, she's always. very caring, very sharing. Yeah. So I'll top that way. What kind of friend is Cathy? Cathy is your backbone friend. She is the one that's in your corner 100%. You can ring her at any time of the day and she will be there for either you, your kids. Like, you know, for example, the first thing she said to me last week was, I saw your dad dropping Sonny to school. Do not have him out in the winter. Ring me. I'll do it. 
Like that is a friend that, you know, words you can't need. describe that. You need that. And um, she brings party to the table 24 seven. So she's great crack to go out with. And she is definitely our core values are the most important to me because she's go- not only she's gorgeous looking, she's gorgeous inside. And uh, she's one of my very oldest but best friends. Oh, me nerves. Yeah, I'm going to cry. Cathy, <laughs> <laughs> what would you say about Olive? Olive is Olive. And no matter what, and no matter how many times that, I needed her when I was in the darkest of places and obviously I just pick up the phone and she's there and as she said there like a few weeks ago I was in a bit of a dark place and she didn't stop she hounded and hounded and hounded the phone come on just get out just get out that's the friend you need and no matter how little or how small it is she'll do it and I know Olive has a busy busy hectic schedule but she'll always sit you in do you know what I mean and she's just she's one in a million Lover. Lover. Dearly. <laughs> and then what about, what would you say about Bev? Do you want to go ahead? No, go. Okay. So, yeah, I'm not arguing one. <laughs> <laughs> Don't jump in. I know. Yeah, yeah. We'll let Kathy finish there. So, Bev is definitely 150% similar to Kathy. I mean, we have been friends for years. She's the most kindest, sweetest person. She doesn't let anybody know that, that she's a very soft underbelly. She's very sensitive and only I know that. Sometimes too sensitive. Yeah. And she is such a good person. She cracks me up for a controversy, but I love it. But underneath it all, no matter what time of the day, no matter what outfit I need, no matter if I'm right or wrong, she's the first person on the end of a text message. Maybe she won't answer the yeah. phone to me. Now she, I do. She, I get a voice message off her now every now. <laughs> and again which is good for um, yeah she uh, I know she's salt of the earth Beverly is um, one in a million and I'm glad that she's by my side thank you in 30 years time um, someone comes in she says Nanny wait I play this for you this is you talking years ago I would just think oh you'll look back God. on it well, I hope I'm sitting at the kitchen table with a bottle of wine with me, Grant. Trying to go, yeah, yeah, right. I know I'd love that. I, uh, I love the idea. Of, you know, listen, I think we're you're very, very. But it's like, to be honest with you, it's like us sitting with Paddy Sucker. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That's hopefully what it'd be like. We still have we have Paddy stories, yeah. so do yeah. you know what I mean? It'd be hopefully eight kids to be thinking more the, the new Paddy Sucker. <laughs> I think we're very lucky as a group of girls, as a group of friends, that we have each other, and you know, everyone is a different cog in the wheel and bring something different to the, to table. the table. Yeah. So girls, on that note, um, I leave it there. Um, thank you for joining me tonight in my home and sitting and talking to me and telling me your memories and all about you growing up. And your friendship is one that I think that a lot of people would be quite envious of because you are really good mates. And it's very clear from listening to you that you are really good mates. Um, and that's rare. Yeah. Um, so, Cathy, thank you very much. Thank you so much. Beverly, thank you very much. You're very welcome. Olive, thank you very much. Not a bother. Sure, listen. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.